Welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Jim Hemphill, Features Writer for Craft and Special Projects at IndieWire. For today's episode, my colleague Sarah Shackett sat down with Michael B. Jordan, star of the Creed series, to talk about making his directorial debut with Creed III. They talked about how Jordan balanced directing and acting, and the grace he needed from cast and crew in the middle of intense physical scenes. They also discussed his love of anime and how it influenced the visual style of the fights, along with how Jordan drew inspiration from real-life dads like Muhammad Ali, Jamie Foxx, Kobe Bryant, and his barber to bring to life the authentic girl dad storyline in Creed III, among many other things. Take a listen. What I want to ask you is who is, <laughs> who is the better Dragon Ball Z antagonist, Cell or Frieza? But what I am going to ask you is kind of what do you love about anime fights uh, and kind of stylistically wanted to bring to Creed 3? I love how you started off with this one. You want to just butter me up right off the top. <laughs> just get, get right to the good stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, what do I love about anime? And I will answer that question about Frieza and Cell. Don't, don't you worry. Um, I love the themes of anime, you know, culturally, you know, and what they what they say, bonds, friendships, betrayal, revenge, uh, promises. Um, uh, uh, you know, usually the hero is the outcast, or you know, something's a little off about him, the reject, nobody likes. You know, having to overcome all odds of every fiber of his being, but he's the chosen one. Also, uh, you know, I love. The thought process, the inner internal dialogue, you know, you're, we're watching, but we're also like listening to what they're thinking about and their thought process. Yeah. And kind of seeing the world through how they think through it. How they think through it. Yeah. Th- those are the things that I really enjoy. And I just love the, you know, the the Japanese audio, you know, dialogue and the, you know, and the English subtitles. I think I just think it adds a layer of emotion that just English dubs don't give you. Um, so I really, I really enjoy that about it. Nice. And yeah, they just achieve a level of action that, you know, live, live action just sometimes doesn't give you. So, so, you know, uh, that's, that's great. I was, uh, I was looking at a spiritual index last night. I just started that one. So I've been, I've been, I've been, you know, cracking through that one and uh, it was pretty good. But, uh, who's a better villain? I'm going to say, Ooh, ooh, it's so tough because, like, I think Cell's purpose, you know, really, like, awakened Gohan in a way that, like, you know, he kind of set him off on his path. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I really love, I really love that. Yeah, Gohan's just kind of around for Frieza. Yeah, and then, and then, and then Frieza's just been a long-standing antagonist that just kind of keeps coming back, you know, in so many different versions. I guess the show's been going on for so long. Yeah. He was such an interesting character, but you know, I guess you know, for the long term, I'm going to say Frieza. But in the short term, for that for that saga, I was going to I'll say I'll say Cell. Cell games were dope. I had the, a thought when I was uh, watching the final fight between Adonis and Damian, and you mm-hmm. you sort of empty out Dodger Stadium. It looked kind of like the Cell Arena. <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> um, and so I'm curious about kind of like how you sort of conceptualized the look of that fight, mm-hmm. and then like sort of executed on the different. Um, visual evolutions of it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I had to arc out the fights. You know, we had three three fights and, and I wanted each one to feel different. You know, the first one was um I just need to show the the smarts of Adonis. I want to see how 
how evolved he was immediately in the beginning of the movie. You know he's at the top of his game. He's like boxing on another level, you know, just playing chess in the ring. And I thought that was, you know, really important to establish right off the top. And I used uh, the Bolt camera. Um, I've been seeing the Bolt around for a long time. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people don't want to use the boat because there is a danger factor because once it starts, it can't stop and it won't be able to stop quick enough to really save one of your actors. And you have to be pinpoint precision each time. Like you cannot miss your mark or that thing is, is it, it's going to, it's going to clean your clock pretty, pretty well. So I love that challenge because I felt like, Hey, it's me in the ring. You know what I mean? So if anything is going to be on me to land and hit my marks the way I need to. So we really leaned on the boat camera on that one. And just to show the fluidity of that final kind of sequence. So we used that one. The look and feel was supposed to be the telegraphing. You know, in boxing, you're not supposed to telegraph, but I wanted to telegraph as if as in anima as an anime when, you know, you know, you know, a protagonist is looking for their spots, you know, that he wants to hit. You're, you know, usually you would hear like some dialogue going over that, like, okay, cool, that's the opening I'm looking for, or this is what it is, or oh my God, he keeps throwing this combination over again or throwing that punch again. And you would kind of lead up into it. So you take the internal dialogue away from that one and you still have the visuals there. I, I, I was curious to see if it would give the same feeling. And, um, and, and, it, and I, think, I, think, I think we accomplished it on that one. The second fight was I wanted to show the violence of boxing. You know, I wanted to show like the different injuries that we haven't seen before. You know, I wanted to show the close up of the eyes, you know what I'm saying, and the belt and all the different gear that, that we had on the trunks that you normally would see in stylized anime in that type of way, you know, and a Western, you know what I'm saying? Like Western, it had, I wanted to have a Western feel to it. Um, so I kind of mixed those two together. And then the third fight was a combination of both. I wanted the, you know, the beauty and the brains, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted the, the, the violent, I wanted to be a violent ballet, you know, I really wanted to feel and very emotional yeah, and intimate. You know, um, I wanted to feel Where very, it's just in, them. It's just them too. Um, and, and usually in, in, anime as well. It's kind of in, in um, Naruto, like when you go inside of, you know, his, his stomach where the nine tails fox is sealed, you know, it's in a void. And on the outside, he's going through something physically excruciating. Usually on the outside, they're going through a physical exchange. And on the inside, there's some place, they're talking someplace calmly and they're having a, an emotional conversation about how they feel. And, and, I, and I thought that was the perfect kind of like world to kind of take Adonis and Damien to. Um, because it wasn't about anybody else, you know? I wanted to see if I could make it feel like it was just two brothers that had to go settle some shit. At one point, I was playing around with having subtitles there, so each punch, each... Each exchange would, like, have be a... a yeah. Be, be, a, be a con one side of the conversation, you know? Um, and I found myself, like... I'm used to reading subtitles and watching at the same time, but the type of movie that we're making for the type of audience and everybody to watch it, I think a lot of people would lose it and they wouldn't be able to track, you know, all the visual the visuals that I'm giving them and be able to read the emotional kind of like dialogue that, that I had there. So I ended up lifting the um, the subtitles and and it became more of this primal, you know, expression art. That makes a ton of sense, yeah. uh, especially because this is a movie that has like, a, you know, sneakily smart building up to that main fight, even though it's a completely different storyline, like a lot of scenes where there's no spoken dialogue and subtitles. And we get used to seeing Adonis express himself without saying words. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious sort of what, if any, prep you did for those Amara scenes um, and thinking about the challenge of 
you know, creating this this wonderful father-daughter relationship without a, a really active soundscape. Yeah, I think this is a quadrilingual f- film. You know, we have English-Spanish, we have ASL, and then we have, you know, the fighting language, which we explore in The Void in the final round. But then, you know, being able to really dive into ASL in a real way and the sound design and the father-daughter relationship, which in boxing that, you know, is mostly fathers and sons. That's the traditional, that's, you know, that's what boxing has been for a really long time. Um, Muhammad Ali was one of the models for, you know, uh, Apollo Creed. And of course he has a daughter, Layla Ali. And that was, so that was something that was stirring around in my head, how to make it fresh and different. And I knew, you know, during Creed, at the end of Creed one, I kind of knew I wanted to have a daughter, you know? Um, So I, I started, playing around with, you know, the stories and how they would feel and what it would look like and feel like, you know, moving forward in that way. And my barber, Jove, you know, he he has two two daughters and the way, you know, I'm with him a lot and the way he speaks about his daughter all the time. And I've just always, I know how how passionate he is about being a girl dad, you know, and, and, and that was something that I've always had an example of around me is obviously my dad and my sister. Um, was was another one, but then Kobe Bryant, you know, um, you know, so crazy. We were on the Just Mercy tour, and Kobe Bryant hosted a screening, and Jamie Foxx has a strong relationship with his daughter, who's you know she was into basketball, she was playing basketball, and then Jove and he was teaching his two daughters how to play basketball, and Kobe sitting there talking about Gianna and basketball, and them, you know, Mamba Academy and everything, and, and I just remember stepping out of myself for a second, and I'm looking at these three guys that I really like, you know, have admiration for, and hearing how the, they're talking about their daughters, I was like, man, I'm pulling from all this right now. <laughs> for the movie. And I wanted to honor those like kind of relationships and what it meant to be a girl dad. Because then I started thinking to myself, like, man, I can maybe, I do want a daughter one day, you know? I, I, want, I, want, I want to be a girl dad, that's cool, you know? And 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 this was my way to kind of show that through Adonis and Amar. So I kind of prepped through that, I guess, a little bit. And then we just started, you know, all the cool things that I wanted to see and do and how to weave that into the bigger story and leave myself options to like, you know, to build on characters and go places later on. And how do you plant the little Easter egg seeds now for later and not and all the other good stuff. Yeah, it's really wonderful to see just like a film do accessibility and not make a thing of it. And it's just there. Yeah. And it's great. <laughs> because it, honestly, it's it evolved that way. The first movie, you know, I meet the love of my life, Bianca, who's, you know, has progressive, um, you know, progressive hearing loss. And the second film, you know, we, we have a daughter. And one of the things is, you know, is she, it, will she be deaf or not? We don't know, you know. And the third movie, it's not even talked about because we already went through that shit, the first two movies. Like this one, I had the ability to really just drop them in this world and see how the ASL family is living and 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 let the audience go for a ride. Still on sound, but switching gears slightly. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is where a lot of boxing fights really come to life on film is when you when you finally like lay in the sound of all the punches and stuff. I'm curious for you, because it's you doing them, uh, kind of, do you really get a handle on the fights when you're learning the choreo or is it kind of in post where they come together and like really solidify? I'm curious, like kind of when those boxing matches reach their final form, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's a work in progress all the way up to the bitter end. I think when I'm going through sound design, my, um, my sound uh, sound editor was freaking incredible. And w- the way we craft these punches and the sounds, uh, yeah, we're not even really thinking about it on the day we're filming. Like, that's that's the, the least of my worries that day of sound. Um, I was trying to 
kick my boom operator out of, out of, out of the ring as much as, as possible. But no, he was fucking great too. Cause man, it's a dance in there. Cause it's so tight, you know, and the things that we got to do, but anyway, sound, um, you know, that's something talking of the feeling. I mean, we're using random objects and things that he's crafting to like, you know, to, to mimic these sounds and trying to make them feel fuller. And how do you distinguish the jabs from the, the, you know, the big swings and we shot it in IMAX. So that gives us a completely different sound design, you know, and, and, and that immersive type of feeling that it gives you. So the sounds are the, is the, is the, the last layer to, to the project. And that's, you know, listening to playback, making the edits, you know, listening to playback again, listen, you know, making the edits. And that's a fine tuning up into the very, very, you know, from the, the footsteps on the canvas to the, the drops of blood and sweat that gradually, re, you know, you know, reaches the ground to, you know, the hollowness, like making sound, punches sound different is an art and, 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 and long, long time to kind of go through that process. But yeah, it was worth it. It was fun. This film uh, completely fits into the Creed universe. Was there anything in terms of the the visuals, in terms of color or camera movement that you really wanted to sort of keep from Ryan and Steven's work? Or did you feel kind of like the, the film could just look the way it needed to look? Obviously watching the two films to make sure things tracked, right. uh, but I wanted this one to feel and look different. So I didn't really think too much about that. I love Warners. Ryan loves winners too. I mean, that's a similar thing that we definitely share. So I would try to put in as many winners as, as humanly possible in places that, you know, some. What do you, what do you love about winners? I'm curious, like. There's no blinking, there's no breath. You just gotta go for the ride, you know? Like the cuts to me are like blinks, you know? And sometimes when you blink, you, you just, you disconnect for a second. So for me, I just wanted to, how long can I keep people engaged with these characters and make it interesting until they get to where they need to go? And. I, I explored that in the beginning of the film that I ultimately had to dig into a little bit just for pace. I'll tell you what, in the edit, that's probably one of the hardest things to do is cut up your baby. Cause like, this is not what it was supposed to be. Ah. <laughs> like, yeah, but but yeah, I, I think, I understand director's pain of like killing your darlings and you know, like what that what that feels like. Um, so yeah, I, I, like Wonders was definitely something that I definitely tried to stack up as much as I could. Color wise, I wanted to feel, you know, a little bit more vibrant. I wanted to shoot it and feel it like um, I wanted to feel big. You know, I wanted it to feel bigger and 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 more dynamic and cinematic in a lot of ways. Not saying the other two weren't weren't because they were. I just wanted to stand out in that way. Yeah. I think as a third film, expectations were low. <laughs> uh, but you know, but but I had very high expectations for myself. You know what I mean? And wanted to really like push the envelope wherever I could. You know, it's a it, it makes sense like a little bit of the love letter to Los Angeles that like you know those dark streets with the the street lights and the city looks huge like that just feels experiential. Philly is Philly, you know what I'm saying? Like that, you know that 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 it has its own character and has its own tones and color palettes and feel. And in Creed too, you know, same type of thing. It's Philly also, but then it had L.A. But we were we shot a lot of interiors. You know what I'm saying? We didn't shoot yeah. any exteriors in in. In, um, in Los Angeles, this was a homecoming for an Adonis. So I, it, Battle of Los Angeles is something I wanted to coin. I wanted to feel like LA was a character and, and let LA take ownership of Adonis finally. You know, he needed a home, you know, he needed a home. So that's something that uh, definitely lends itself to like the kind of color palette in the, you know, sunny California type yeah, vibe. Yeah, the white trunks for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's his own thing too. Like, you know, the trunks was at a time and era where like the American flag, you know what I'm saying? Like meant something else. Yeah. 
you know, with, with, you know, the whole, you know, Trump in office and what that felt like. And for me, I didn't, I didn't know how I felt having Donnie in the flag as much. It, 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 I had to find another way to reset it. Yeah. I felt like the world needed to reset. And, you know, for me, having him in all white was just kind of like a clean slate. I needed a clean slate. Yeah. I, I think we, we need to, you know, you know, and, and through the blood and through the fights, um, you know, even this road with the Astor Gates, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, it was red, white, and blue on the front, then the red, black, and it transitions to red, black, black and green on the black on, on the back. And um, that robe is a whole other conversation with the Astor Gates, his artwork, and, you know, using uh, fire hoses from the civil rights movements and repurposed them. And those were the ropes that he, those, the, 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 um, the fire hose uh, hoses that he that he used to to make that piece of artwork, you know, and That's then incredible. we did with Liz Wolf. So there's a lot of little symbolism to like how Donnie and how he represented himself getting into the ring, and then also the battle between his brother. I wanted this kind of, you know, they were playing chess, you know, the other opposite of the coin. He was the opposite of him, it, it, you know. It just play with all those little things. It's interesting to me that you say that you want to do a lot of oneers and cutting is painful because this film has just an incredible training montage that requires lots of cuts and setups. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious kind of like what your is, is your way into that through the music is your way into that through just sort of like previs. I'm curious about how you montage. Yeah. Montage is probably the hardest thing. One of the harder things I had to shoot. I had to go back and grab some stuff. I, I didn't want people to be feel difficult on who to root for. And in doing so, you have a certain feeling that you need going into that final fight to do to do that. So in a montage, it couldn't be completely balanced, but at the same time, it had to be dynamic enough where, you know, you, you felt like you got enough of both characters going into it. And the montage, man, they were shooting during COVID and trying to like all the, a lot of the original ideas that I had, I couldn't do. And then we had, you know, having to adapt and figure out how to make this better and that. And where are we shooting at? We're in Atlanta. Okay, cool. Got it. <laughs> Supposed to be the summertime. It's been cold outside. Great. Cool. And it was just, it was, so we had to move things around and it was such a, it was such a, you know, a puzzle to kind of fit, to make that happen. Um, and, and, and it worked out, but I, I think the music is definitely way in, but on this one, we, scored the music after we already had the montage. Gotcha. So in hindsight, I think I'm I think I'm making the song first. I'm, I think I'm, I'm working on the music for the montage first, and then going to shoot it maybe. So maybe that might give me a little more, you know, you know, rhythmic cuts, and I can kind of like shoot to like you know a little bit more, you know, of an anthem. But, but um, yeah, that that's that's kind of where I started with the montage. And and you need your hero doing something that, hey. This is the ninth montage that we've seen so far, yeah. maybe 10th, you know? Like there, there's so many montages that in history, how do I make this different? How do I make it not feel like the other ones? And, and you know, train different different exercises, like new extremities, this movie cheese that's in there that that somehow works, uh, you know? But, but you know, fucking pulling a plane. Yeah, cool, yeah. got it, let's do it, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we had fun with that one. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and I think like incorporating Damien also in, into that definitely makes it feel distinct. Like those mirror shots makes it feel like it is about the two of them and their relationship more than it is about like Donnie training up. Going back to the hardest opponent is yourself, you know, and having to look inward, you know, and thematically, that's what Donnie had to do is go back to his past and kind of like go back inside. And at the same time, Damien is the other side of the coin. He is his reflection in a lot of ways. He represents the, the other decisions that Donnie could have made, the alternate reality that he could have been living. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Um, so 
to see them have a little call and response and see them kind of, you know, do that, the mirror thing was just something that I really enjoyed. I'm curious if there's anything like extra you have to do um, or sort of processes you put in place when you're directing yourself, because it is absolutely wild to sort of keep track of all the nuances of your performance and, and then all of the technical details that are going on on set. Like, I, I'm, I'm very curious kind of how you, do you compartmentalize that in your brain? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a bit of a weirdo. Like, I, I, I like the challenge of, like, how many things I can, like, multitask and, uh -huh. and, and balance. It's foolish, you know. But but at the same time, you definitely have to put things in place to help, you know, help and compartmentalize for you sometimes in a, in a real way. Like, my first AD, H.A., she's, like, you know, phenomenal. He's, you know, just figuring out who's going to yell cut and action. You know, he always yells action, you know, unless I'm not in the scene. You know, and even then I hardly ever say it, you know, um, but when I'm cutting a scene, me and him have to find our balance of like, when are we out of it or not? You know, and I usually end up doing a subtle little like, you know, like a little scissor mark, you yeah, know, yeah. Saying, like a little, little with, my, with my hand, like somewhere like down out of frame. So I'm not blowing it. Something really subtle. It's kind of like I, what I ended up doing time, you know, time management and being able to split yourself in a million different you know, you know, places and be in, you know, handling a million different things was was probably one of the um the key things that I had to kind of learn how to do gracefully and, and somehow to be present in each place in a real way. The multitasking nature, even when I'm acting, I'm acting, I'm looking sometimes, I'm watching, you know, and that sometimes make you feel cheap, you know, to your scene partner, you know, but I think after having those conversations up front and then having a cast that knows me very well and knows that what I have to do, you know, in a way, giving me that grace, you know, like let myself off the hook a little bit. Like, hey, Mike, relax. It's cool. We know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? At the same time, first three takes, I didn't want to hear any notes from anybody. You know, I didn't want to hear nothing. Like, oh, let me get these three takes. Let me find a rhythm. Let me build it real quick. You know, and then I'll start getting feedback. But then those first three takes, I would give them everything I had. Like, I would like literally like be so present and like give them whatever they like, whatever. Four, five, you know, somewhere down the line and I'm, you know, doing my thing, but I'm still at the time. I'm like, all right, this needs to. Yeah, I can move that over there a little bit. And okay, I need her to step. Okay, so I'm gonna step this way in my performance and start playing. So I started actually manage, like, you know, directing and, and, and tweaking um, in the middle of takes, you know, without losing rhythm and momentum. Yeah, without having to yell cut and then go back to the monitors, you know, and then and then look at it and, you know, have to start back up. So I tried to keep the flow of things as much as possible. So sometimes directing in the middle of the scenes was to a benefit for sure. I'm sure there are a million of them, but I'm curious if there's any lessons you take away from this film that you would bring to um, the next film that you direct. Oh, shit. All of them. Like, I can't wait to get back behind the camera again and, and put those, you know, to start using all the new things that I learned. Probably storyboarding more just to have a base, you know, that and still leave spontaneity and room for things to change and be able to find it on the day and all that good stuff. But I would probably storyboard a lot more. How much did you storyboard for this? I'm curious. Uh, key scenes, things that I really needed to kind of like, you know, have, you know, that I needed everybody to be on the exact same page with me, or at least we're all looking at the same thing. Right. The fights for sure. Storyboarded all those. Um, opening sequence, driving sequence I did. Some deleted scenes. <laughs> Some deleted scenes. Kill your darlings. Oh man, there's, there's key things that you just really have to like be ahead of. Like, and I think like have like just being like prepping and shot listing is definitely one of those things. Like, if you're acting, directing, 
there's certain things that you're just going to be victim of, which is not having time to do all the things that you really need to do. So it's about really just making it work and figuring it out and just dealing with what you got. So I think giving myself more room to have more to play with, maybe, I think is something that I could take with me on the next one. Yeah, for sure. You know? Um, not deal with babies or like, you know, <laughs> kids under 12. It's tough. But anyway, I was just joking. Labor laws, man. Labor laws. They're, oh, they're important, but. Listen. Listen, and I, then I started finding myself, when I was a kid, when my age, we used to be on set for, you know, 20 hours. Like, I was like, I'm that old guy right now talking about when I was a kid. <laughs> so, like, it's interesting. I'm curious, because, uh, you know, you've been on sets for a mm -hmm. while. Uh, was there a particular project where you sort of really started to notice, like, sort of the technical aspects of composition or filmmaking or lighting and you sort of got, like got interested in doing that? The answer can be no. No, it's The Wire. I mean, I think it was The Wire for sure. That's where I got a lot of lessons. It's where I fell in love with acting. That's where I, I first time I saw a shooting um, day for night, the first time, you know, I had over a 15-hour day, you know, um, a lot of first times on that show. Uh, so for me, yeah, that was a show that really just kind of showed me amazing side of it and you know and, and and then you know sparking a you know a interest and curiosity in those places and in those things like wanting the camera operate you know i wanted to be a dp you know what i'm saying like i wanted to be those things i thought it was so freaking cool you know to do that yes yeah, it's, it's a lot of first times on, on that show so i think i'll credit that for sure michael b jordan thank you so much for making some time to talk to us it's really dope. appreciate that's it, it. yeah three or more okay cool well, thank you